and then move from there. I'm just kidding. All right, so uh, the podcast has started. Hebrews chapter 1. Phone is off, kind of. I was talking to a friend this morning who uh, works in another corner of the industry. He, he mentioned to me that he booked a Mike Huckabee date sitting in Sunday morning service. So I would suspect an announcement may be coming. Huckabee's taking shows. <laughs> this is his. Um, I heard him make the statement of, they said, well, why are you still running? He's like, well, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's a good point. Um, the, uh, yeah, so anyway, he was like, so you actually got the text from Huckabee accepting the offer from something in April. So I would say that between now and then, you know, be some announcements coming. So Hebrews chapter 1, only in Nashville. Do you know what I'm saying? This is the most bizarro collection of, like, all roads lead to Nashville. Just strange. I mean, Mike Huckabee for crying out Anyway, all right, so Hebrews chapter 1. If you were uh, if you were not here last week, uh, I did record in the teaching is on uh, the podcast. All you have to do is send your uh, monthly love gift in, and uh, we'll be glad to send you that. I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how the televangelist is going to do it in the future now that you can just download the teachings for free. It makes it a little harder to, you know, get them to send the money in. But anyway, so Hebrews chapter 1. It's the holy water. If you, it is the holy water. It's the miracle spring water that you see at 3.30 in the morning, which I saw the other night. Uh, dude straight up looked the camera in the eye and with a straight face, okay, didn't even laugh about it, says he's got, quote, miracle spring water, okay? And he, <laughs> I kid you not, it looks like a little, uh, like, ketchup packet that you can see through. <laughs> with miracle water in it, okay? And all you do is send your love gift. And then he also sends you a prosperity, ha- I swear, prosperity handkerchief, okay? Now, for the record, it looked like a little, like, piece of fabric cut out of the corner of a hanky, but they, they, nonetheless. And then there was some sort of prosperity coin as well that you got, in addition to the miracle spring water. So my man was rolling deep. I don't know if he was just trying to clean out the closet from past offers, like some sort of bulk miracle thing if you had to send money to <laughs> So, Hebrews chapter 1, we started a little bit last week on Hebrews, uh, a book written to, uh, as the name suggests, the, uh, the Hebrews, the Christians uh, in, in this day and age that were Hebrews, they were Jewish people who were being kind of sucked back into their old ways, the laws, the regulations, you know, they'd be passing by the temple and maybe smell the smell of a good, you know, sacrifice, which would smell a lot like a steak on the grill, is what I'm saying. I don't know if you realize that or not, but they were cooking. So, it smelled like a good open pit barbecue coming out of the temple, maybe some incense, smell like they're in a music studio somewhere. Um, and it would just want to draw them back in. And so that's kind of what this is about, and it's saying to them, don't let yourself get sucked back into that world. And chapter 1 is really him just setting it up so that the, the Hebrew Christian understands that Jesus is the man. Okay, He is it. And he's greater. You'll see he talks about the, you know, the prophets, which we talked about last week, which they would have esteemed so greatly. right? And we, we saw that God spoke in Son, right? In Sonish, the language of the Son, of Jesus. That was the language he spoke in, setting it up that, hey, the prophets, man, they were great. But Jesus is still the man, okay? In the 50 versus Kanye thing, 
Jesus is Kanye in that analogy. Okay. Didn't Kanye sell more? Did I get that right? Yeah, because Fitty got his butt whooped. So Jesus being Kanye in this analogy, he's greater than Fitty, okay? Greater than the prophets. Because Fitty is good, don't get me wrong, right? The prophets were great. Jesus is greater, okay? And this week he starts unpacking it even more, saying that the angels, he's greater than the angels, and he's big, there's like seven attributes that he under, unfolds here of how great Jesus is, of how big of the man he really is. We have this little tradition in our house that, that lasts up until, it seems like they're about five or six years old when they start to realize that daddy might be full of it. But up until that point, what we know is that the little tradition is, you know, daddy's got to go to work, you know, he's working for the man, the man's keeping him down, you know, but he's like, i got to go to work for the man. And then I say to them, who's the man? And they say, you are, daddy. You know? And again, you got to just keep it while it lasts, because you know, Maddie at this point is fully aware that I'm not the man. You know, she's, I'm just a man who's, you know, pays bills. Um, so, the man, Jesus. It says here in, uh, go back to verse one, okay, just roll with me. In the past, God spoke to our forefather, forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways, but in these last days, last days for those of you keeping score started in Acts chapter one and two. Okay, they start there until you see blood billows and boils. Okay, it's still the uh, the last days. Okay, two thousand years of last days sounds like a lot until you're like a billion years old, and then it feels like a snap of a finger. So in these last days, he spoke to us by his son. In the King James Version, we saw that the word in was put in there. It was in son. He spoke in son to him. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe. Verse 3, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. In the Message Bible... Which, if you like, if you soak your Bible in a bucket of water, that's the Message Bible. Okay, it's still there. It's a little looser, a little easier to swallow, but not necessarily in and of itself bad. It's just like you know putting some gravy on the toast. It's still toast, but at the end of the day. So this is kind of that uh, soft version of it, but it's interesting nonetheless. When verse says, verse three says, the sun perfectly mirrors God. Verse three and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says. His powerful words. In the English translation, modern English translation, it says this, God's Son has all the brightness of God's own glory and is like Him in every way. By His own mighty word, He holds the universe together. And at that point, it really makes you want to burst into song. You know that He's got the whole world in His hands one? Remember that one? Maybe, okay, maybe we won't burst into song, but I'm just saying that that was around. So, follow me on this. God said that Jesus, okay, created the world. If you go to John chapter 1, what does it say? You don't have to turn there, but go there later. That in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. If you understand that Jesus was the Word, God spoke, okay, Fiat. You guys ever seen a fiat, by the way? 
It's the little car that, honestly, if it ran out in front of me, my truck would just crush it. Like, it's like, it's like this big, and then they put people in it. But tiny little car, fiat. But in the Hebrew, it's God spoke, okay? Spoke it into existence. And that is important when you realize that Jesus and the Word are the same thing. God's Word. He spoke in Son to us, Okay? So God, when you look around the entire universe, and I hear like, okay, this is great, this is very elementary, right? We should go ahead and just get out the uh, the little lamb, uh, what do they call it? Flannel graphs, and make, you know, God speaking, and bam, and there it is, and all that. But it's true. God spoke. The world came in, into existence. Jesus is the word, okay? So you follow that. This is all about Jesus. It says that he, he started with Jesus in this thing. It's going to end with Jesus in this thing. Jesus, greater than the prophets. Jesus, greater than the angels, okay? Jesus is the man, okay? He is Kanye. <laughs> Which is amazing, except for there's a problem in creation. I don't know if you... Did you guys... Like, I grew up in Nebraska where technically... Uh, we went to school because it got us out of our parents' hair. Otherwise, they would, you know, seriously, they would rather us just been out working because that was just as effective in the fields and stuff. But they did it, you know, with the laws and stuff. But where we were, we basically had uh, teachers that uh, were either A, farmers' wives, or B, teachers who couldn't get work uh, anywhere else. Okay? And I, if you've been around there, you've heard me share before that we had a legally blind art teacher. <laughs> And you think I'm exaggerating, and I'm not. Jim Mitchell. He was also the uh, the cross-country and the track coach, which was a problem because he would drive around on the four-wheeler. <laughs> but he wasn't supposed to. Okay? So that was a problem. So, okay, so you got, you know, Mr. Mitchell. We got the anti-government government teacher who had to go to jail, was arrested in class for sending threatening messages to the IRS. Literally came in and took him out uh, in, in cuffs. Um so I say all that to say that I didn't necessarily get the greatest education. You know what I'm saying? I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. But in eighth grade science or so, you learned about something that even I learned about called the atom. Right? The atom. The thing that we, you, me, everything around us are made of atoms. A-T-O-M-S. Atoms which are so impossibly small and impossible to understand that it was almost an exercise in futility to describe them, but just for the sake of uh, entertainment, we will. If you were to line up a half a million of them in a row, shoulder to shoulder, half a million of them, they could hide behind the width of a human hair, okay? In, in a different perspective, a sheet of paper laying on its side is the equivalent of a half a million of them stacked up next to the Empire State Building. Okay, they're so small that you can't possibly understand them. Okay, and yet we're made of them. The air in front of us, around us, everything is made of atoms. Atoms, which if you were to take a, a little sugar cube, you would find forty-five billion billion of them in that little area. You understand? This is impossible to understand. Now, in the atom. This is where 8th grade comes in. If you paid attention, the atom is made up of three things. Protons, electrons, neutrons. 
Right, and if you're really, 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 really well behaved, we're going to conjugate verbs in a little bit. So everybody, <laughs> hang tight, okay? Protons, which are positively charged, right? Electrons, negatively charged. Neutrons, not charged, okay? Neutral. And if you remember, right, what you saw on your little grade school or eighth grade books was a picture of what was like a little dot, right, which was the nucleus, all right, which the nucleus is made up of the protons and the neutrons, okay, follow me. And then we saw on the outside this like little circles of little particles that were the representative of the electrons, okay, that would circle the, the globe, so to speak, like planets around the sun, okay. You gotta forget that, because that was created like in 1904 by a Japanese physicist who was at best guessing and was completely wrong, okay? But for some reason it stuck. So follow me on this. You're like, does this have a point? And it, and honestly, honestly it does. So in this nucleus, okay, of the atom, which is made up of what? Protons and neutrons, okay, positively charged, is so compact and so condensed, okay, so absolutely tight, that if you were to blow up the atom to the size of, let's say, a cathedral, maybe one of these really nice Catholic ones somewhere. I mean, how about the big Mormon one? Okay, so you got the size of the cathedral is the atom now, okay? The nucleus would be the size of a fly and a thousand times heavier than the cathedral, okay? Understand, this is impossible for us to get, okay? Einstein, it said, wasted the last half of his life trying to undo all of these laws that I'm about to explain to you because he thought that it wasn't possible that God would create a universe that we couldn't know, okay? He didn't get to the part of the Bible where it says that his ways are not my ways, my thoughts, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, this is important because what happens in the atom that you and I are made of right now, literally hundreds of billions, 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 billions of them right now in me, in you, in this air, that inside these atoms is this amazing thing. They were actually discovered by a guy named Ernest Rutherford, okay, in 1910. Ernest, who was uh, not necessarily the sharpest guy, but he was very earnest, okay? Very, very earnest. Anyway, oh, his name was Ernest. Ernest was just shooting things up against, shooting uh, atoms and protons and stuff up against gold foil. And unsuspectingly, some of them bounced back, okay? 1910. I don't know how they did it, but he did. And he's thinking, wait a minute, it was like shooting a shotgun at a sheet of paper and having some of it ricochet back at you. It wasn't supposed to happen. And what he figured out was this, that the atom is made up mostly of nothing but empty space, okay? What he figured out was that the nucleus of the atom is so compact and so tight that some of those atoms would hit the nucleus and bounce back, the others would fly through this vast empty space. Again, a space that's really incomprehensible to us. Space that, quite honestly, if the electrons were not, follow me on this, were not negatively charged, okay, that you and I, our hands, when they touch each other or when my butt sits on that stool, the only thing that's keeping me from going through it is that the electrons are negatively charged and repel each other. When pool balls hit each other, they're not actually touching each other. Nathan is not actually sitting on this chair. He is absolute micro of a, you know, it's one of those 10 to the 34th power, you have a billionth of a centimeter or whatever floating above the chair, okay? These are repelling against. In fact, there was a scientist, and I can't remember his name, that they said almost went mad because once he figured this out, 
was afraid to get out of bed for fear that he would fall through the floor. Okay? Okay, meanwhile, back at the ranch. So the point of all this is this. When Ernest Rutherford discovered the atom, it was this amazing discovery. And it was so amazing because it can't physically exist. The laws of physics do not allow an atom to exist. They just don't. Because those protons all compacted together in that little, tiny, tiny little areas is so impossibly small, positively charged, that it would absolutely blow itself up. It can't exist like that. The electrons spinning around, which by the way, they don't, to, to explain further, the electrons don't actually fly around in little particles like this. It's best to understand it like it was a fan blowing, okay? Have you seen a fan? Where it appears as though the blade is everywhere at the same time, but it's not. The difference being with an electron is that it actually is. An electron is actually everywhere and anywhere at the same time. It's infinite. It's, again, completely incomprehensible to know that an atom... You can, it's, you can only understand where it's going to be because you can't. It's, it's, it's okay. I'm blowing my mind again. So follow me. It can't exist because there had to be a force that would hold it together that didn't exist. A mystery force that you and I know on, on this level, on the macro level, we call gravity. Okay. This very theory, by the way, is the thing like these kooky guys like Isaac Asimov would would actually do these things where the universe was actually universes inside of these atoms because it's so infinitely small that we can't even understand it. And so, it can't exist technically with the laws of physics. The best these guys could come up with was there had to be some other force that would hold this together, okay? It can't be gravity because it doesn't work in this situation. And so, the coined the phrase atomic glue is the best they could come up with is a force that they can't understand a force they can't explain, a force that allows an electron to be everywhere and anywhere and nowhere at the same time, a force that holds this world together that's impossible to exist with the laws of physics as we know it. They call it the atomic glue. They say that it's a force so strong that it is 10 billion billion billions times stronger than gravity. But it doesn't reach out far enough to affect it and if it's disturbed, something else Rutherford first theorized, if it's disturbed, the power of which could cause bombs that they dared not dream of in their day. And they did, didn't they? When they figured out how to mess with the atom, they realized that it really was a force so explosive. And this force that holds this together, this mystery force that doesn't exist, that we know of, but yet it exists... I would suggest to you, if you go to Colossians 1, is a force that, again, the Bible talks about. Colossians 1, verse 5, He is the image, talking about Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Sorry, that was 15. Verse 16. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. And Adam, we can't possibly imagine it. Can't see it. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him, by Christ, by Jesus, and for Him. Listen to this. He is before all things, and in Him all things 
pulled together. I suggest to you that the force that we can't explain, that we got to come up with a word like atomic glue. I mean, are you kidding me? Atomic glue that holds it together is what Colossians is suggesting. It's what Hebrews says, that it's through the power of Jesus, of His Word, the Word of His power, the power of His Word. The Word and Jesus are one. He's spoken into existence. Jesus, the Word, is what holds the universe together. And you don't have to turn there, but I, I think that when you read Second Peter 3.10, you understand that at some point... He's going to let it all go. And it says in 1 Peter, 2 Peter 3.10, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also in the works that are therein shall be burned up. And there's coming a day that Jesus is going to say, I'm done with this. In the fullness of time, it says that heaven and earth will pass away. It can't happen. Absolutely it can. When he takes away that force and these atoms are no longer held together the way that science says they can't be held together to begin with, it's over. Right? And so I say that only to say if you're holding on for the job, if your life is about the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the career path, the house, the car, it's going to burn up anyway. We need to be living for Christ whom all things were made to begin with. Through all things, in all things, through his word. Now, if you're like most of everybody else in this room except for Tony, you're thinking, I didn't come for a science lesson, Darren. I came to understand the word. I thought you said meat and potatoes. I suggest to you that this passage, that in Christ all things are held together, not only in the universe around us, on the world we live in, but the world that we are in, our own personal world, is held together by the Word, by Christ. Those things that kind of bum us out, when we take it back to the Word, it holds it all together. If it weren't for the Word, I mean, my life would be a mess. I've heard it said by someone much older than I, which is not easy to be these days, that a Bible that's falling apart often belongs to somebody whose life is not. It's the Word. It's the Word that holds it together. We saw last week that God spoke in Son, right? In Jesus. Jesus is the Word. It's here, gang. Right here. And it's important because... You know, I don't know how your life is, but I got all kinds of stuff spinning around that shouldn't be held together. Okay? I have a life that has lots of moving parts. Okay? And because of the word, we're not spinning out of control over at the Tyler house. You're right? Not because of anything that we're smart or spiritual or. But God has really put inside of me a, a love and a desire for the Word. And it didn't start overnight. Don't get me wrong. If you're thinking, well, yeah, but Darren, you, you know, I don't really love the Word. At the beginning, I wasn't that big on it either. You know what I mean? Get to Leviticus and think, I don't really care to know whether or not my boil was clean or unclean. <laughs> I don't have a boil. 
I don't even know anybody that knows anybody that has a boiler. <laughs> Goiter? I mean, I know I know somebody has one of those. I didn't need to know that I should go out back of the camp and dig a hole and go to the bathroom there and bury it and come back to camp. But Leviticus tells me that. So in the beginning, I didn't really understand the why I needed to know that stuff. As I've grown older and as I've grown closer to the Lord, I begin to see that everything in this Bible, including and limited to, not <laughs> to whether your boil is clean or unclean, has a bigger picture to it, has God's inspired uh, messaging system, so to speak, written all over it. And if it weren't for the Word, go with me to Psalm 19, the very middle of the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible. It, it stands to reason that it would be about the Word, doesn't it? Psalm 119. If it weren't for the Word, one nineteen. I don't know that I would know something like when I get stressed out and think, man, I'm watching the news, and man, this kind of freaks me out. What's going on? You know, who's going to fire the first nuke? Iran, Pakistan. What if Hillary wins? I mean, all these things that go in someone's mind, and I'd get kind of freaked out if I didn't know that Jesus said that in John 14 that I go and prepare a place for you. I can go to the Word and, and, and be comforted by that. Do you know what I mean? If if I were freaked out about what's going on in my kids I can go to the word and understand that if I train up a child in the way they should go that when they're old I'm getting down here because i got to tell you my core temperature has risen by about a degree I'm on, I'm on dark roast up there oh. I wouldn't know these things and I see that in Psalm 119 this is what David was talking about when he says in verse 2 blessed are they that keep his testimonies that seek him with the whole heart. Talking about God and His Word. Blessed are they that seek Him with the whole heart. Happy is what it says. That's what blessed means. It doesn't mean rich. It means happy. Happy are those that do that. And in verse 7, I will praise thee with the uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Man, when you're worshiping the Lord, whether it's by yourself in the car or in church on a Sunday or right here tonight, man, let that be about not about raising your hands because it's that time in the song where it says, I will stand with uplifted hands. But let it be about a moment where you're like, I'm just raising my hands because I'm so excited about what I learned about the Lord. I'm getting to know Christ here and I'm just submitting to that amazing thing. It's not about duty. It's about just this love for God that I'm getting because I'm being blown away by what I'm learning about the Lord. I'm convinced that we're going to spend eternity being constantly and continually blown away by what we find out about the Lord. I don't think, I think an infiniteness of Christ means infinite, meaning we will never come to the end of it. The universe, it's said that you could travel from one end to the other, which physically you couldn't do anyway, but you never would reach from one end to the other because of the way that light bends, you would never ever get there. It's infinite. God is infinite. We're going to keep learning about the Lord forever. Be blown away by Him. In verse 9, David says that, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to your word. It says in verse 11 that, Thy word I have hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Gang, in our world, in our America right now, we're talking about trying to solve sin and school shootings and all these things by education 
You know, should we hand out condoms in school or not? Should we teach abstinence? Should we not? We're trying to figure out how through academia, academia? Did I put the emphasis on the right syllable? Is it academia? Through school. To get it through our head, how to change this stuff. And it's not, it's in the word. I'm not so big on the school teaching my kid the Bible, gotta tell you, because I don't know who it's gonna be teaching it to him anyway. I don't you know what I mean? Be careful what you wish for, you might just get it. I'm kinda okay with the government not having anything to do with my kids' spiritual teaching. I'm not freaked out by that at all. But I'm telling you that we're not gonna solve it through that those ways. These teachers, bless their hearts, have gone to a war without any ammunition. They're just sitting ducks. How should we cleanse our ways as a young man? Through the word. Verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. Meditate on the word. For me, I don't think that you're supposed to take the Bible and say, okay, I'm having trouble with my girlfriend. I need to find a verse about that. You know, should I go to this college or not? I need to find a verse about that. I think that it's you diving in. I mean, prayer and the Word go hand in hand, okay? You are letting the Lord speak to you through this. And whether that's just sitting down and saying, man, God, here we go. This is, you know, I want to just see what you've got to say to me today. And you started in John or you started in Genesis or wherever you've started. Understanding that if you've come about it, not as like you're trying to read a novel, but as that you're trying to get to know somebody who left a message for you. It changes the entire dynamic. And I find myself often, just on a verse, I'll be thinking about it. And, I, you know, to me, meditating isn't sitting in, like, Indian style with incense and staring into space. First of all, because I can't really sit in Indian style. But <laughs> meditating, just chewing on this stuff. Thinking, man, what did God mean? I mean, last week when we were talking about God spoke in the sun, and I saw that he didn't, the word his wasn't in there. And I just thought about that. that what, what does that mean? How is that possible? And look, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I'm not any scholar. But you just start to meditate on this stuff. I mean, understand this, that just the head knowledge of it isn't good enough. If it were, the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, okay? I mean, first of all, is it ironic that Solomon, who wrote the book of Proverbs, spent so much time talking about adultery when Solomon himself was a product of adultery? Had Solomon's own parents listened to his own advice, he wouldn't be there. But that's a holy thing. But here's a guy with 800 wives, okay, talking about adultery. You know, and I don't know how that works either. Thinking, well, dude, you really shouldn't be worried about it. You got 800 of them. I mean, what are you, you know, what are you worried about? But, but what he says, though, more to the point. Some people have to actually study that, but. To the point is, he talks about that wisdom, that knowledge will keep you from these things, okay? Now, when I first read that, I thought, well, that's great, except for the part that I don't think I've ever met a guy that's gotten himself trapped in that sin that didn't know it was wrong. So, obviously, that isn't what Solomon was ultimately saying. What he said was, if you keep my words, okay, meditate, have respect unto thy way. What, what it's saying is, <laughs> we'll see it a couple of times here in Psalm 119. If I keep it, if I treasure it, if I love it, if I desire it, if I'm excited about it, like a family heirloom, like that gold coin that granddad gave you, like what, those things that you keep that are important, that are special to you. Unlike 
seems like the kids, you would think the more expensive the toy, the more they'd want to take care of it, but that is not the case. Find the DSs laying around the house. I mean, the things that you don't want to be doing that just laying around the house, these are things you want to protect and guard and be careful of. And when you're doing that, the word, when you're keeping it, when you're honoring it, when you're respecting it, when you're in love with it, it's the word that holds you together. In verse 24, thy testimonies are my delight and my counselors. 12-step program isn't your counselor. Medicating it isn't your counselor. Talking about it. You know, I'm not, I don't want to disrespect those things. Okay, There are definitely moments in somebody's life where they've got to have somebody speaking into their life. But I think that a lot of us sitting in this room, if we would just start from this default, and God begins to work these things out, and you say, yeah, Darren, I don't know if it works that way. Try it. Just try it. When's the last time you locked yourself in a room with just you and the Word? Spend some time with the Lord, you know? It's hard in our lives because we got jobs, we got TV, we got, you know, Valentine's things going on. We got stuff. Every week's got something. But when's the last time you did it? Don't knock it till you try it. Do you know what I'm saying? And I mean, dive in, love it, delight in it. Not just read it as an academic exercise because that's what you're supposed to do or because that's what day you're on in the uh, one-year Bible reading plan. My soul melted, verse 28, for heaviness. Strengthen me now according to thy word. You need strength. It's in the word. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Vanity there, which means emptiness. Empty Venus, so to speak. Emptiness. Empty Venus, those vain, empty things. Empty mental and spiritual calories. Right? Turn mine eyes away from them. Verse 42, So I wherewith have to answer him that reproacheth me. For I trust in the word. People that are accusing you, people that are coming after you. Man, if you're in the word, you have the answers for them. You have the, the solutions in front of you. Verse 45, I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath comforted me. <coughs> You're going through stuff, word is your pillow. You don't want to sleep on the hard floor, right? This is comfort for you, the word. Thy statutes, verse 55, have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. You songwriters, you don't even have to pay God royalties. I guess you do, you have to pay 10% to God. Thou art my portion, verse 57, O Lord. I've said that I would keep thy words. I don't know how you how you guys were growing up, but my kids are in this stage right now where it's all about what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine, okay? What is my portion? <laughs> Am I getting fair? Did Ashley get a bigger piece than I did? Why did, you know, why did Maddie get to do this and I didn't? And it, the thing is, though, when you get older, that doesn't really go away. It just gets more expensive. Do you know what I mean? I've heard it said before that I could live a lot cheaper if my neighbors would. A lot simpler if my neighbors would. I'm saying that my portion, I don't need to be worrying and fighting for my portion because the Lord is my portion. My piece of the pizza, so to speak. They that fear thee, verse 70, will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. You want to be one of those people that are either people are see, glad to see you coming or glad to see you going, Right? Glad to see you coming as you're in the Word because you're talking about the Lord. Everything about you is filtered through the Word. Your conversation is emanating of the Word. Not that you've got to be so spiritually minded that you're no earthly good, but you know what I'm saying? You've got, you've got substance to your conversation because it comes from the Word. Verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy Word is settled in heaven. 
Man, this world we know for one thing for sure, and that is that popularity, the fads, they come and go. What's popular this year won't be popular next year. The political guy that's in season now won't be next time. I mean, you know what I mean? But God's word is forever. Those things that we're chasing are so temporal. They're so fleeting. They're so, I mean, you know what? I mean, I've had parachute pants. We've talked about this. And I, they were hot. <coughs> but not anymore. God's word, unlike parachute pants, is forever. It's settled. Unless thy law, verse 92, had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. Man, if it wasn't for your word, man, I'd be screwed. I'd be perishing right now. In verse 104, through thy precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Man, the best cult training in the world is the word. You're in the word. So when that dude knocks on the door and wants to tell you why he's wearing that nice white shirt and tie and for some reason can't drive a car... You'll be able to talk to him because you know the word. Verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word, my safety, my security, those things when I don't feel, when I feel kind of unsure and I feel nervous and I feel scared, the word, it's back to the word. Verse 130, the entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding unto the simple. That word simple there in the Hebrew is stupid. Gives understanding under the stupid. <laughs> Me, right? It gives understanding. When you're looking for understanding, you, it's, you take it back to the Word. Verse 136, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. When I've walked away from it, think about this. When you're in those moments where you're just spiraling out of control and you're just depressed and you're down. And don't get me wrong, I understand that there are circumstances, things that hit you out of left field that you didn't see coming, okay? I'm not suggesting that you're never going to have bad times. But I'm suggesting that those tears are different when they're tears that have been based in the Word than tears that are based out of absolute desperation and sheer terror. It's one thing to have, to go through those experiences. God never promised us that it wouldn't would have those hard times. He promised us he would be right there with us in the middle of them. So it's different. Verse 165, longest chapter in the Bible. Aren't you glad we are doing this one verse by verse? Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Verse 169, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Unanswered prayer? You take it back to the word. Lord, my cry is according to you. I'm coming back to you saying, I trust you. Verse 170, let my supplication come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. We could really go on and on. I could go back and we could hit a whole other set of verses. I love that chapter because David basically outlines every possible benefit, blessing, and reason for the word. And I could... Wax philosophical, and you're saying, yeah, Darren, please don't, about the word. But I'm just saying, what I've found personally in my own life, and Shannon and I have been through a lot, and we have made and lost a lot of money together. We've made a lot of babies together. Can you say that a lot? Did I not have said that? I apologize. We have. Babies are expensive, babies are exhausting. I mean, there was a moment in my life when we were literally, I mean, I was giving plasma, okay? How have you given the plasma before? Okay? Basically what they do is they take a coffee stirrer 
and they hook a hose up to it, they jab it in your vein, okay? And then plasma comes out somehow. And all through that process, God sustained us. We're not uber spiritual, trust me. I promise you we're not. But when we took it back to the Word, I promise you that those were the days, those were the things. And the truth is, is that you know we still face stuff in our life today. The problems just get more expensive, they get more stressful, they get bigger. And yet it's the same atomic glue, if you will, that holds it together. It's the Word. My life would absolutely spiral out of control if it weren't for this Word. Do you know what I'm saying? If I, if I didn't have this to fall back on, to dig into, to hide underneath of, to dive in, to bathe in, Jesus says that my life would spiral apart and it's supposed to. It's the Word. And I'm, <coughs> I'm so thankful for it. And if there's anything that I hope that conduit can be to you and to me, is to inspire a love for the Word. I mean, one of the things that blesses me more than anything is when someone says to me, man, I never thought of it that way before. I never understood that before. Because the Word is attainable. Sometimes we, we don't do it because it's, it seems too tricky, seems too hard, seems too complicated, too daunting, too large. You could read through the whole Bible in a year at just a regular out loud pace in 12 and a half minutes a day. When you break it up, it's not that daunting. But I don't want you to think that you have to do it in that sort of an academic way. What I encourage you to do is in a way of understanding that this is this intricate messaging system. Prayer goes hand in hand with it. Instead of cranking up the worship tunes all the time, even though that's great, don't get me wrong. Man, just shut the door. Shut off the music. Grab your Bible. Grab a notebook and say, God, here I am. I'm reporting for duty. Where should I start today? And the beautiful thing about the Word is no matter where you start, there are easier places than others. But it all points back to Christ. Everything is about Jesus. In the Old Testament, it was all pointing forward to Jesus. The New Testament is all pointing backwards towards Jesus. To that time that you and I recognize every time we write a check and have to say the date, 2,007 years after Christ. That moment in time was what it was all about. And that is what this is for. He left it for us. God has spoken. The New Testament, the New Covenant. By the way, the New Testament isn't this series of books. The New Covenant is Jeremiah 31 when it says, I will write my will upon your mind and on your heart. And you'll say, I don't have to have somebody teach me. I can go to the Word. I can listen to the Spirit speaking to me individually. And maybe it starts slow. But what relationship doesn't, right? Who kisses on the first date, right? It starts slow. All relationships should. If you know, like think about when you're just getting to know, you know, somebody at work or you know, it starts slow. You'll start slow with God in this thing. And then it grows to the point where kind of like where I am right now, and I'm not there. Don't get I mean I've got so far to go, just like all of us. But you'll get to this point where you actually look forward to it. You're anxious about it. And maybe it's through Bible teachers. I'm trying to give you this suggestion so you don't walk away thinking I can't do it, it's too daunting, or I'm gonna quit. Because I'm not good enough at this. Listen to Bible teachers. Man, I mean, in this day and age, the podcasts are everywhere. Right? Whether it's Chuck Missler, which Tony and I dig. John Corson. Bob Coy. I mean, there are Bible teachers. 
out the yin yang on on iTunes right now. Go there first if that's what it is. I don't but wherever it is where you can get to the word, however you get to the word, okay? And start there. <coughs> and understand that when your life seems like it's spiraling, and maybe if your life seems like it is right now, if not, I promise you, you're around somebody whose life is. And you can say to them, Man, get into the word. The word is what holds it together. God spoke to us in his son. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the word. Those things that seem immutable and contradictory. It's actually one of the things about the laws of physics. They said that even trying to describe this, there were two different hypotheses, two different theories that completely contradicted each other and came to the same result. Okay? That's the Trinity as far as I'm concerned. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But a God big enough to be understood is not big enough to be worshipped. It's something that we can explain, but we can't understand. Does that make sense? We can describe it, but we can't understand it. How big God is, how infinite He is. And we start right here with the Word, okay? Does this make sense? Good. Father, it's my prayer that, uh, man, if only just a couple of folks grab a hold of what you've done in me, and apply it in the same way and understand the amazing just blessing that it is. That would be so amazing, God. I pray right now for... I mean, we've got a room full of folks, Lord, that I know that are in different phases and places in their life, and we've all got things that maybe feel like they are spiraling out of control. We understand that it is you, Lord. It is your word. It is you, Jesus, that holds it all together. You're the atomic glue of our nucleus. Ask for your blessings on the, the conduit right now, God. Those things that we're doing that we don't even see. Pray for our friends, our brothers and sisters in Haiti tonight. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Rwanda, right here in Columbia, Tennessee, God, that you would be with them. Remind us that we do play an important role as a conduit for you of our resources that are flowing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've never been here before, and I, maybe there's a couple, but... What we do here is real simple. We come and we study the Word. The point being that we could learn more about the Lord, fall more in love with Jesus, be blown away by Jesus. And just like what Paul said in Corinthians when he was taking an offering for the poor, for the saints in Jerusalem that were poor, he didn't show them pictures of the starving saints in Jerusalem. He said, it's, that's not the motivation. The motivation is our love for Christ, our love for God. That's what John would say. How can you say you have the love of God in your heart? Look at your brother in need and not do anything. That love of the Lord, that love of Jesus, that love that we get by growing in Him, by learning more about Him, we respond to that by serving Him and by reaching out. And what's happened so far has just blown me away. <coughs> I don't know what the total is so far in February. You know, January is always a smaller month, and we still gave away $1,500. $1,500. To ministry in Haiti and here in Tennessee. People literally, I mean right now today, kids woke up in Haiti and had breakfast on you. There are people in Columbia, Tennessee tonight who are being torn apart, whose lives are ravaged by addiction, who are being brought back to their families, brought back to the center of Christ because of what we're doing here in Rwanda for months ago that we gave. Today, 300 people woke up and had breakfast in Rwanda in a refugee camp whose lives are torn about by war because what we just did here it's so simple it's exactly what Jesus said it would be he said his burden was light you know it doesn't have to be some big overwhelming beach over the head thing 
We're just responding to the word. We're in love with the Lord. That's what conduit is. So as I say that, somewhere there will be a bucket of some sort. Uh, or a money bag. That's it right there. We just get right into the money bag. Um, that lovely wife. So if you've, if you've brought an offering tonight, we don't do high pressure. Paul says if you ever get high pressure, you don't have to give. You get a pass on it. He said that in Second Corinthians 9. So we don't do high pressure. This is the Lord speaks to you. Just know that... Uh, Almost 100%, at least 90%, and most times even more than that, have gone straight into the hands of these ministries that are on the front lines of the gospel. So there you go. We'll be back next Sunday night. Uh, Jeremy has an announcement. Yes, a big announcement. Uh, we need to end Conduit one, one more way. Tomorrow is Darren's oh, birthday. He's, he is 29 tomorrow. That's right. wow. I haven't aged real well for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's all been looking on 37. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that we need to, you know, send you happy birthday to him and just really try to embarrass him. So, I don't know if somebody wants to start it. I guess I'll say it. Happy birthday to you. Happy